Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rain again. And he's got it. Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored. Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three. Hello, welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me, the podcast for fans of Northampton Town. I'm Charles, this is Danny. Hello. And this is Chesie. Hello. With the game at Harrogate falling foul of the freezing cold weather, today we're talking about the boss, John Brady. The home game against Tranmere was Brady's 100th game in charge of the Cobblers, so we're taking a look back at his time in the hot seat at Sixfields. So, after 100 games, how do you sum up the tenure of John Brady so far? Who wants to go first? Me. Go on, Jeffy. Austrian. Solid. Solid. Okay. Yeah. That it? One word? Yeah, that'll do. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Solid as a rock. <laughs> Daddy. I'm going dramatic and exciting. Oh, two yes. words. An increase. Yeah. I like it. In- enjoyable as well. Oh, three words. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You're thinking of more um, words, Charles. Yeah. In there before I think of any more. Quick. They come. They, 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 they come thick and fast. <laughs> they come they? and go yeah. like a karma chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with um, progressive. Yes. Passionate. Mm-hmm. And Another P. frustrating. Oh, come on, Charles. You could have. Frustrating. Yeah, not necessarily Brady's fault. I, I'm I, the the period as a whole. I think there's a, there's at least two uh, things that are frustrating about it. Um, Disappointed you didn't find a third P there. If I'm honest, um, did find the power of three though. Perpendicular. Perpendicular. What yeah. word? Um, um, yeah, there you go. Positive. I mean, positive. In in all, I think it has been a positive time. 
Yeah, it has. It's, I was listening back to our um, emergency pod that we did to prepare for this. Um, you know, we did an emergency, I think we just lost to Wigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith mm-hmm. Curl had been sacked oh, after that. Gosh, Wigan were terrible, down. Terrible day. <laughs> yeah, we, we jumped on the YouTubes, did an emergency pod for an hour and a half. Um, so I was just kind of listening back to seeing what our initial thoughts were. The names being thrown around, all that kind of stuff. Um, what we're going to do next, what we thought of Brady and, and all that kind of thing. And it's it was really interesting how we kind of viewed him at the start of his tenure. He, he was coming in as a caretaker and thinking until the end of the season. We were all a little bit concerned about the continuity. And Charles, I think you said the, the continuity would probably mean that we didn't have any new ideas with Brady at the helm. Mm-hmm. But actually, when he first started and he... And he came in, we had that defeat to Burton, we had a nil-nil at Ipswich straight away. But actually, it became a lot different style-wise straight away, didn't it? And I think we were all a little bit on board quite quicker than we thought we might be because of the style yeah. of play and the, and the passion he was showing and the passion he clearly had for the club. At that point in our season, at that point in our <clears throat> in our history, I guess, we needed someone like that. And he came in at the right time, even though it didn't work out for him in his first half a season or less than that it was, you still saw enough in there that you thought, this is probably what we need right now as a club, rather than going to a back to, back to the old tried era of bringing in journeyman managers that just didn't work. Trying something new with someone who knows the club and who knows the area and who knows who's got that connection to the club, it's it, mm. it, it, it actually fell right for him that we needed him at this time. Yeah, it was that, that sort of caretaker time so that would you call it the second half of the season it was less than second it was February so I think yeah it was less than I think he had about 20 games or so didn't he yeah final third yeah I like that Mm. yeah final third of the season Um, I I think he I think he's a sign for our what we hope is our future as the club isn't it because I think mm. we have like Danny said there we've kind of gone to and we've played a game of whack-a-mole, really, in terms of firefighting <laughs> managers. So, like, we've we've kind of gone through a, a string of humans that haven't quite fit the mould since, really, Wilder left. And you could argue, actually, that even going back further in terms of Calderwood, when he left to go to Not- Nottingham Forest, we were kind of left without a real direction. Stuart Gray really did a really good job in steadying a ship in terms of League One. I know it didn't quite go the way we wanted it to, but... He was quite strong, but after that, it kind of fell apart until we got wilder and then it fell apart again. And even people like Samson, who we wanted that to be our future for various reasons, he wasn't given the right opportunity. So it wasn't allowed to happen, whereas this progression has been allowed to happen and it's what we hope will stay in the future. And I know he's had a hundred games, you know, we want him having hundreds of games, regardless of what really happens. This has to be a long-term thing because the firefighting whack-a-mole game we know does not work. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that 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 caretaker period, I, I think, really was a change, as you say, from from what we we'd had of the norm. And the MK game, I think, summed that period up really well, didn't it? In one ninety minutes, oh, yeah. PTKO so masterclass. Just, I mean, chaotic. Um, <laughs> you, you know, but. Uh, the the passion was there the the intent was there it, it was that game if you like is the biggest um i i suppose not advert showcase 
of the change of mentality and style that Brady brought, the, the freshness to it. Unfortunately, I think the issue was really was that our players had spent so long, hadn't they, basic, basically being drilled to just hoof it long. And so much so that essentially it became second nature and the players did it without really even having to think about it. It was just literally, mm. oh, there's the ball, hoof it. Mm. Also um, as well, I think it wasn't, re- it was that, you're absolutely right, but it wasn't just that. It was the idea that they couldn't play with freedom and they couldn't leave their position as such. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had players like yeah. Sam Hoskins completely penned into whatever ridiculous position he'd been put <laughs> in. Left wing back. Yeah. Exactly right. So <laughs> he had no freedom. And and we're seeing people like McGlaw now and McGowan and Pinnock actually moving around the midfield so we don't have to play that hoofball. We've got freedom. Yeah. There was, there was a, a noticeable change, wasn't there, in that mentality of, of rather than you stick to your positions, it was kind of you go out there and show us what you can do and, and try and win us this game. That's that's That was the biggest change, and I think that was the thing that got us all on side straight away. And the fact that even though we did go down and we didn't quite manage to do enough, and I know at the time we were probably going, oh, if only we'd managed to hold out against MK, because it, it was two late goals really wasn't it that that saw us lose that and we didn't really mind though we kind of just sort of went well we were going down without a whimper before curl was sacked i know you danny were were quite um i i think you were the, the you were the one that took the longest to turn against yeah, the yeah, UK. yeah um but we were going down without a fight without mm-hmm. a whimper and therefore to see us you know, try, yes, it was a bit too late. I think the one question mark we always had was the fact that it wasn't, you know, Keith Curl's sacking wasn't done sooner. Like, we'd, we'd gone through the January transfer window. That was gone. Yeah. We were in the second d- week of February. We'd also mm. had, that January was was mega important, wasn't it? Because even the back end at Christmas, we had likes of Crawley and, and games that we should have won to keep us up. Not necessarily should have won because we were better than them because we were atrocious at the time. But it was games that if we'd have won, it would have put them in a scrap. And there were six pointers, weren't they? Do you mean like Wimbledon? Because Crawley were definitely not in League One, were they? I no, may I have got that so. completely wrong. I potentially I remember wrong. Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Did we lose that? Sam Hoskins missing a yeah, penalty. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I think did was it one all? Was it? I oh, know we did lose was it. it no, one sorry. All? Yeah, no, no, we did lose one 0 Yeah, Hoskins missed the penalty in the last in yeah. like extra time, didn't he? Extra time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, injury time. There was I was getting it loads confused of little... with the Sean McWilliams one when he got injured oh, that right. day. That's the one I was getting confused with. It's, it's lo- there were loads of little things, weren't there? That, and, uh, I'm going to use this phrase that we've heard so much for the last 24 hours recording on Sunday night. Um, <laughs> fine margins. Fine margins. Uh, <laughs> fine margins. But I think when we went down, there, there wasn't that oh, we need to change. Everything needs to needs to be changed. You know, let's bring in a new manager. Let's do X, Y, and Z and, and, and see where we're going. There was quite a lot of positivity about the way that we'd done it. And I think the question really was whether John Brady wanted it as a full-time gig or not. And I think that was what actually we were more hanging on, wasn't it? Was the, the thing of will he, won't he? Mm. Will he want to just step back into his more, let's say, comfortable role in the youth team because you're not really likely to get sacked from the youth team. It was also, it was also 
kind of based on the idea that who was going to help him. Because actually, if you look at Brady in terms of his management skills, he's fantastic at what he does. And he's a fantastic youth team coach. We know that. We've seen that. We've seen products of his youth team experience, right? But what we needed that we didn't have at the time was somebody that had that League 2 and League 1 experience. Because, you know, the the idea is that we're pushing forward to League 1 straight away, really, which we know obviously didn't go as we'd hoped, but that was the intention. And for somebody like Coldwood to come in, um, you know, Sean's watched the Cobblers for 60 years and he really wanted Brady to stay, but he kept saying he needs somebody to help him. And when Coldwood came in, it was almost like a bit of a light bulb moment for everyone thinking, Do you know what, this will really work. It's the perfect balance, isn't it? And that doesn't take away anything from what Brady's achieved because I think as an individual entity, he's fantastic as well. But putting him with Coldwood, it brings out all the qualities of him and Coldwood together. It's just a mm. perfect match. Regardless think- of actually what, what's gone on and, and what we have achieved, that actual management and the way it's set up, that works perfectly. I think one of the first things that really changed was, uh, I used it before the word passion, but it, it really did come across. And the fact that we, you know, to start off with, it was basically Samo being his number two um, for that caretaker period, Rico stepping up. So there were the, the three guys that really had an affinity with Northampton Town Football Club already um, and the community as well, all of them, you know, living within, uh, you know, probably, I, I don't know exactly where they all live, but let's just say within 20 miles of, of the stadium. Um, they all kind of knew the club and there was a connection there between them and the fans that already existed. I think out of the three of those, Brady was probably the one that had the least amount of connection because really all we knew about him was that he was the under-18s manager. He'd played for Rushton, he'd managed Brackley, and he'd played in a couple of other uh, clubs in the county as well in his time as a player. But to to bring that almost culture, I suppose, to the football club was the first thing that actually happened. And I think we have to actually praise the, you know, the management of the football club for doing that because it it would have been very easy for them to go, right, okay, we'll just stick the under-18s manager in charge for a couple of games and then we'll go out and we'll get somebody that is known to be a manager, you know, uh, it could be anyone, couldn't it, from, you know, Daryl Clark or um, <laughs> I, I, I'm picking names out of hats and they're, they're not necessarily names that would have come or anything like that. But, you know, the managerial merry-go-round would have just been an easy option to be taken. Whereas actually what they decided to do was that they just went, right, actually, no, we're going to give these guys until the end of the season. They know what the football club's about already. They know what the, the fans want and expect and they, you know, deserve a shot at it. And I think the fact that they came so close, considering how far adrift we'd been, and I don't necessarily mean in terms of points on the table, because I can't remember exactly what that was like, but in terms of we performances were, and... We were, we were kind of almost level, but I think our collective mindset was mm-hmm. we're down, basically, yeah. Yeah. because of the personnel and stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just think that that has got to be seen as a positive and, and, and praised at the you know the, the, the people above on uh, on that as well i <laughs> think that 
Kelvin Thomas gets a lot of flack. And I think actually I don't talk a lot about it, but I do think some of it is very unjust. One thing I would say about him is that he is very football orientated and very business minded, which is two things that successfully run football clubs. And I don't care what anyone says, football is now a business. We don't like that side of it, but that's the reality. And what Kelvin does very, very well is he is the fact that he knows the game. He knows football. He's been around football for a long time. He's a football fan. So he's got that idea of, of what should work. And, and actually he recognized fairly earlier that the merry-go-round wasn't working in terms of what managers to get in. And actually, oh, I, don't, I don't know if you could say that. I mean, we went through a fair amount. No, no, no. I, I, I <laughs> let me finish my point. And then, um, I think sticking with what we stuck with and having the bravery to try and say, well, actually this isn't working and we've got to try something different is quite brave, but also really needed. And I think he recognized that the idea that changing manager after manager wasn't going to work and wasn't going to be effective. And that has to be the future. So that has to be what we do going forward, regardless of, of who our chairman is or whatever. It's a really important and key part of football because if you look at the likes of Hartlepool at the moment, you know, they are just in a terrible, terrible state. So a Scunthorpe, teams like that who have had the same kind of journey but haven't quite managed to get out of it, if that makes sense. Mm. I want to talk about passion, Charles, um, earlier as well. With... Uh, Easy to remember, easy to forget, sorry, that we're in the middle of another lockdown slash we're not allowed to go back to football during Mm. this time. We've Mm. been to a couple of games in December, I think, of that season, right in the middle of a dire season where we've all had to watch from home, had no impact on the games at all. We've We've had to sit here in front of our screens for the majority of the season watching absolutely terrible football being played. Brady comes in and straight away with his interviews, even when we've lost, I think there was one interview he did after a game where I think Tim asked him what he could do to change things and he just sounded so desperate to change it and so desperate mm. that he was like oh I'm, I'm really trying I'm really really trying to do this and I, he just sounded like so out of energy that he's just putting so much into it and I remember thinking through that injury uh, in the interview that we have just lost but there's a different and it was a way the way we were losing the way that we yeah. were reacting to it, the way the manager was speaking after the game that clicked in my mind thinking actually even if we go down, he's a good person to have in charge because he cares. And not that Keith Kell didn't, but the projection of what he was saying to people at home watching who were sat there having been able to have no influence on the games at all, how he communicated that I think was a massive step for him to in yeah. terms of getting the job because he spoke our language basically. He yeah. also owns he owns his sorry Charles, he owns those mistakes that he makes as well mm. fairly well. He's <clears throat> he's very, very honest. One thing I would say about Keith Curley, he's the most stubborn manager ever. <laughs> he just wouldn't yield when when things were going wrong and he wouldn't give up the fact that he hadn't got things quite right. And that was really disillusioning. I think I've just made that word up. Um, all of the fans. Yeah, I, I, the thing that used to really frustrate me, and I know uh, a lot of other people as well with Keith Curl, was that especially that season, you'd come out you know, off the back of a defeat that we've all watched with our own eyes and you're watching it and going, basically, we were terrible, no ideas, all this, that and the other. And he'd come out and he'd give us some 
cliched or, or or some some bits about a puzzle or a jigsaw mm. or, you know a wave and all this that and the other and I went, yeah it was fun and we you know had a bit of fun with it didn't we on the pod but I mean it was just so frustrating because he never and I, I get that this is a way of doing it and way of being a manager isn't it is that you've got to keep that dressing room spirit going and stuff like that he would never come out and really criticise anybody, let alone himself or the tactics or or anything that was going on. And he'd he'd almost there were times when I remember thinking, "You haven't watched the same game that everybody else has." I I don't know where you're coming from with this because we what we've all witnessed is basically us just try and kick the ball as high and as far as we can for ninety minutes, and then we've lost three 0 or whatever it was, and you're coming out now and going, well, we had some great passages of play and stuff. And I'm like, when, you know, there was literally, you're looking at the, you're looking at the stats and you're going, and I, and I know we, we talk about on the pod, we're not massively stat orientated and, you know, possession doesn't mean everything and all this and the other, but you're looking at the stats and you're going, well, you know, we've had three shots all game compared to, you know, 20 for the opposition. How are you looking at that and thinking that we played well? I, I I can't I can't get it. Whereas John Brady came in and basically just went and as you said, Danny, spoke our language. He didn't mm. try and, you know, cover our <laughs> eyes over with cotton wool or whatever that saying is. You know, he didn't try and fluff it up for us. He he would just turn around and say, Yeah, I I don't know what more we can do. You know, we're trying really hard to do X, Y, and Z. You can see that we've, we're changing or we're trying to change the way that we're playing. You can see that we're trying to be more attacking. And and you'd be like, yes, I can see that. And okay, we've lost. It hasn't quite worked out this time. But you felt this real affinity with, with a guy that was clearly passionate, wearing his heart on his sleeve, wanting to do well and wanting the club to succeed. And getting exhausted almost by that and you thought to yourself that's kind of how I would be if it was me that was in charge I as a fan you'd be as you you you'd drop everything to try and make that work for the football club and that's kind of how it came across which endeared us all to him I think within those first however many games 20 games whatever it was he also had a bit of gumption and stuck stuck to what he wanted to do. And and Keith Curl, I don't particularly want to, and I'm not going to kind of go out on a personal attack or anything, but Keith Curl desperately wanted to save face and not drop players that simply weren't good enough. And he just didn't have the gumption to do that and admit that he'd bought players that were not fit for purpose, effectively. And Brady, within the first match, went, right, that's it, you, you're done. And we never saw certain players again. And and to do that is brave, but it's also recognizing that those players just aren't good enough. And if you're if you're signing players that aren't good enough, you need to change that. And that was a big problem with Keith. And it's a thing that that Brady does very well that he is he rotates a squad if it's needed, and and will try to get the best out of players in a positive way as opposed to just being completely stubborn and one-minded about it because that's what that was. I think the the one thing that if we if we move forward a little bit into last season obviously and this is where my frustration comes so the second part of it first part of it with the frustration for him 
uh, or about the tenure has been that I suppose with that first little bit of a season that he had as caretaker, the frustration was that we couldn't quite do it. We couldn't quite get over the line to stay up. Uh, Maybe he didn't quite have enough time to do that. If it had happened a month earlier at the beginning of January, who knows? Maybe we could have stayed up. Um, We don't. That's a frustration. And then obviously last season, the way it ended is... I'm being kind by saying it's frustrating because we all know it's a far worse <laughs> than well, emotion than we that. Got cheated, but, we got cheated out of it. It was yeah, nothing but, to do with us. Yeah, well, but... People look, cheat. Right, but, people cheat. All right, you stop <laughs> saying it, Jeffy. <laughs> but it's... Um, yeah, it, it's that, that side of it is the bit that's frustrating. But we obviously got to the point where John Brady takes over as being full-time. He brings in Colin Calderwood, um, which I think, as you said, Jeffy, is a perfect foil. It was a masterstroke. It yeah, really for, was. For Brady. Yeah, absolutely. Really does work or seem to work quite well. But the thing that I think last season showed us, as much as this season already has as well, is how good of a coach John Brady actually is. Because he takes players and he does make them better. It isn't just a case of... Uh, making them fit into a certain system. And then a bit like how Keith Curl was essentially trying to, he was basically saying, right, well, you play there and then we'll just get you to do this particular thing over and over again until it's second nature and it's muscle memory, etc. With With John Brady, he, he's wanting to make the players better on a personal one-to-one level because that will then in turn benefit the team. Yeah. And then also the club, because as we've seen with the likes of Fraser Horsfall, who under Keith Curl wasn't particularly great, certainly wasn't first choice at the beginning of it, <laughs> if anybody remembers a certain lady yeah. from Brentford. Uh, oh, but... I, was, I was going big ginger Irishman. <laughs> oh, wait. oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but um, he, you know, obviously then then develops him over the course of the year and a bit that he had with him. And, and he, he get. I mean, okay, it didn't really benefit us, did it? But he then got a nice move. But Liam Roberts definitely came on leaps and bounds, McGlaw, you could say. And... I mean, I know McGlaw's injured at the moment, but the difference between him starting for us in those early days to the to just before he got injured and how much and and the and the compliment we used to give was the fact that it wasn't much different when he came on as opposed to McGowan mm. that was brilliantly done yeah Watto is the main example from like the mm. first Brady season yeah yeah it's what scored on the first day against Cardiff for Curl didn't score again until Brady took over so Curl was he was invisible the midfield was invisible uh, under Curl as soon as Brady got his hands on him who goes and scores eight or nine goals before between then and the end of the season almost keeps us up scored it scoring two two goals one day one goal the next and this season Hoskins you, you've got to, you can't look any say, you can't yeah. look any further than Hoskins as to what he's done he's always had that in him Hoskins that he's got something there especially at this level that if you can tap into it, you can tap into something really good. And the way he's turned Hoskins from like a moderate League Two player into one that's the top scorer in the division and the confidence is oozing from him, it's that man man management that is so much different to what... I know we keep comparing it to Curl, it's probably not fair, but... It's Curl, the most recent though, isn't yeah, it? You're always going to, I think. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but Curl's outlook was, I've got this player 
this is what he can do. I don't think I can get any more out of him or I don't want to get any more out of him. Here's a player I'm going to put in this place and let's see what happens. Brady's more, I'm going to improve this player. And that's the difference. And that's the key difference to what Brady's done is, is taken players and made them so much better than they believe they can be sometimes even. I, I think, think that's that... it. Yeah, I think there is that element of belief. Sorry, Chesley. Right. It's, that, it's that bit of, you know, you're seeing players signing for the Cobblers and turning around and saying that the reason why they've done it is John Brady won them over and, and they believe John Brady will make them a better player. I think that whole sort of positive... You know, we, we've had it before, haven't we, under different managers, uh, Chris Wilder especially, that, that togetherness of a squad, that that real uh, impactful um, friendship group that essentially will go out on the pitch and die for each other in order to win a game of football. These players are coming in believing that they're being going to be uh, coached by a, a top-class coach and will improve over time. And they're coming to us because they're going, and it might be that they come and they see the club as being a stepping stone. I don't pretend, I don't really have that much of an issue with it as long as we get a benefit and we see something positive from that, whether that's, you know, great performances. So Liam Roberts last season, if we'd have gone up, we wouldn't have been complaining, right? I don't think. Um, or if it's a, you know, a, a transfer you know, with a fee and a sell-on clause attached and all this, that and the other, that will benefit the football club in the long term as well as in the short term. So I think the fact that we're now seeing players coming in and saying that's why they want to stay. Sean McWilliams, again, another prime example. I mean, we talked about him for years, hadn't we, as being this year has got to be the year that he properly breaks through and he, he really shows his potential. I think realistically you could turn around and say that it's only been since Brady's been in charge that we really have seen the best of him. And there's still probably loads more to come out of him as well. But the fact that he chose to stay when I'm sure he must have had offers elsewhere. We know he did. We know he did because he turned them down. He said in his renewal Mm -hmm. that he'd had other offers. I think Apare is an example of, of this situation as well because... And I don't like to single him out in terms of a negative way. And I, I, I don't mean this negatively at all. I mean, in terms of we are affording Apare a lot of patience because we can see the development. It's slow progress, but it's progress. And we can see that development from when he first came in. Well, he shouldn't really have been playing. We all know that. To now, and, and it's that idea that we are, f- are affording them patience. And we said that at the beginning of last season, we've got to be patient and therefore we are able to be patient because we can see the progression, right? Yeah. I think it's, there's also a bit about how he interacts with us as fans, but us as well, In you know, on the podcast when we did the open forum with him, he was very happy to talk before and afterwards. Uh, whenever I've seen him after a home game in Cars Bar, he always comes over, says hello, asks me what I think of the game. A couple of times we've had discussions about, uh, you know, difference of opinion in regards to certain things. But he's willing to actually talk to fans and, and, and talk to them about stuff that 
I don't think previous managers would. I think previous managers would be very much like, I'm the football manager. I know what I'm doing more than you do, which is a, you know, it's a fair call, especially with me. Uh, but, you know, John Brady is willing to at least listen and he will then yeah. go and give his version of it or what he thinks. And he even once said, I can't remember what it was about, but he even once turned around to me and he, this was last season and he just went, he just went, actually, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and I just but, sort of went, really? Okay. <laughs> but that's the key thing, listening. Yeah. Right. You, it's a simple thing, but you think with Keith Curley, if you give him a, an alternative to what he's doing or suggest something, I always felt like he wouldn't, he wouldn't listen. He'd just be like, okay, whatever. You don't know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Whereas with Brady, you see him chatting to fans and you actually see him actively listening to them. And yeah. it's that, that little difference that ind- it just endears him to people, to, to fans and, and the public and stuff. And, I just—it's just so much better under him. Yeah, the whole—the whole outlook of the club is different under him. I think. I mean, let's just um, give you so um, played a hundred games yep. in charge. Uh, out of those, he's won forty-two, drawn twenty-five, lost thirty-two. Uh, I, I don't know why. I'm going to tell you this, but I don't know why I'm such an idiot. I actually had to work out his win percentage. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, it's, oh, obviously it's forty-two percent. But I literally got the calculator out. And went, just... Oh, oh, of course it is. Oh, what an idiot! Um, but yeah, there you go. Uh, so his win percentage is forty-two percent, which I think is, I think that's that's it's pretty good that's for good. me. Two standard football. That's pretty good. It's good. It, it's pretty much exactly what he was, and for about three hundred odd games for Brackley as well, around about forty-two, forty-three percent. So it's, it's also, consistent, isn't it? And I don't, and I don't think mm. you can sometimes have to take a little bit of a caveat with win percentages and comparing them to other managers because of the context, the league, the, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But it's it's well up there. It's 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 just consistency of, of the two seasons so far. What what do you think, you guys? That his biggest success so far has been. Is, is there one? Get rid of Kim because Jeffy's going to be straight. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Genuinely, I think it's changing the ethos of the club and changing the ethos of the relationship between fans and the club and the community, giving us what we hope is the future of our football club and the way that we want it to be run. I'd quite like Brady in charge for 400, 500 games and to see where it leads us. And the fact is that for the most part, we've had managers that we know would never get anywhere near that kind of game time. Mm-hmm. And for me, that causes a lot of damage in terms of, of football clubs. If you look back in over many a year, if you take examples where people have been at clubs for long periods of time and how well that that's, that, how well that's gone and how they've been able to build things, I think that's really key. My, my worry will be and I'll, I'll just say this and we'll move straight on but my what my main worry is is that if we do get promoted mm-hmm. at the end of this season and we're in league one and we're not immediately you know comfortable in league one the vultures start circling well, and the idea starts going you know bigger that we need them. to have somebody that comes into that, that has experience of that level kind of thing that's what would worry me about that side of thing um Danny is it the same for you his biggest success yeah I think so similar stuff he's just making us believe in the football club again there was just such that whole period of even being in league one it was just so long and drawn out because of lockdown partly but because of the way we were playing and I'll always 
say that Keith Cole did a good job in getting us up. It was a it was a difficult situation to get in. He did a lot of stuff for the community as well during that time. But John has just changed the perception of the club again. Like you can see it when teams come and play us. They set up shop four five one against us at, at home. We're struggling to get points at home at the minute because teams are setting up because the perception of us as a club is now we're a big fish in the league again. And I don't think we had that before. We've we haven't had that for a long time where we people were are fearing goldfish us. Goldfish before we were goldfish, <laughs> and <laughs> now bit. we're like a hammerhead head shark. Yeah. Oh, yes, that is a big fish. It is a big fish, isn't um, it? But yeah, it's it's just that whole bringing the club together with the fans again. The thing I worry about is the contract situation because it's it's um, expires in the summer, right? Um, does it? Yeah, maybe. Two years signed a two year deal, I think. Then oh, there you go. I'm sure it will get sorted out. I'm sure there'll be, a, there'll be a thing. Um, we Kel- did Kelvin ask, will sort it out for us. <laughs> we did ask um, on our Patreon Slack. So if you want to support the pod, get extra content and join our community, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash cobbles to me. But we did ask earlier today for some thoughts from our listeners, from you guys. Um, here's a few of them. Uh, Ash Club. Ash Cobb, even. He said, um, I think he's been excellent. So many positives for me. Feels like a long-term project. Many highlights. The best game that I've seen live was Orient away last year. I think that would probably go down as being the number one for many people. Um, And interestingly... Um, Ash Cobb says, starting to enjoy Pizza Cup games to see the youth given valuable development game time. The recruitment has been excellent. Player development is impressive. And he's a leader of a well-blended team. Um, I really enjoyed that comment about the Pizza Cup, Danny. I know you love the Pizza Cup. <laughs> love the Pizza Cup. Um, but there's, we've gone from having that, that thing of, um, oh, it's just the Pizza Cup and we don't really care about it. But wouldn't it be good if we won it? eventually <laughs> to now being actually and I know I got frustrated earlier in the season but we've kind of now gone to the point where we go yeah we still don't really care about it as a competition but now we've got a manager who actually uses it for the purpose that I think uh, you know that the EFL or FA or whoever it was that came up with a stupid idea to let <laughs> under 21s teams in but basically has started playing that game by going right, well, we'll blood our youngsters in it, and if who does it, the results don't matter. We'll blood the youngsters. I mean, we've seen some great performances. I think in in this season's one, Peter Ambimbola, fantastic couple of appearances. The Cambridge uh, performance. Yeah, we'll put him switch to one side. But... Yeah, we'll forget about that. Um, <laughs> Tomlinson, Josh Langston, Dyche, as well. Tomlinson, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I I, I do think and. <laughs> I don't know whether you agree, Daddy, but it's that thing of maybe Brady feels the same way about that competition as we do. He just can't say it publicly. It feels that way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 I think so. But if you're going out and you you know that, I I do like that more than being like, oh, we're going to give it a go. There's a trip to Wembley at the end of it, kind of blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, it's a load of rubbish. Yeah, Pizzas absolutely. are there to be eaten, not played. <laughs> yes, quite they are. right. Yes. Uh, Robert Salmon said, alongside Samo for me, a decent club man, and I so badly want him to be successful at Cobblers. Hardworking, honest, and says it as it is most of the time. Uh, took time to do an interview off air with uh, my son Matt after being on the Cobblers show on Radio Northampton a few years back. And along with Bukes, was one of the first inspiring mentors to Matt, along with us, he says. I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, can even forgive him playing for diamonds, says Robert. I love that. Yeah, forgive the. We just forget about it. Just, for, just ignore it. Um, Matthew Crane, 
think he's doing a great uh, at time. Uh, sorry, I think he's doing great at times. I get frustrated with late substitutions when it seems obvious that we need a change, but that seems to be a trait of all managers at this level. But it has been fantastic to see him come up through the ranks and perform up there with the very best managers that we have had in recent times. Hope we get to see a lot more from him yet. Um. I'd agree with that, Jeffy, the substitutions thing. I think there are, you know, this isn't meant to be just a John Brady loving. Um, I think there are still things that, that we do get frustrated with. And I oh, think absolutely. Times, the last three the games, yeah. I have been torn to shreds with frustration <laughs> because I've sat through the most agonizing set of results where effectively <laughs> one can only describe it as daylight robbery against Newport and an absolute disaster really against Tranmere but on the whole what he does he he does well but I think it's important that we highlight the the things that he's got to do because that's the difference between being a good manager and being a great manager right sometimes his substitutions are absolutely perfect i.e that Stockport game for Hilton Mm -hmm. perfection absolute perfection I can think of Orient away, the substitutions just breathed life, even more life into a really lively game. And, you know, he does get it right sometimes. Substitutions have been a bit of a, an Achilles heel. And I think it's something that will come to us more and come to him more when we have more depth in our squad. Now, we hoped that that would be this season, but because we've just been plagued with so many injuries, that just hasn't really happened. Oh, yeah, but imagine if it had happened last year when we didn't have the depth that we've got. I think yeah. I think we do have the depth. He has yeah. looked at it, hasn't it? It's unfortunate that what's happened. And maybe mm. I'll go back to my word of frustrating. That that would probably be, yeah, absolutely. You know, again, it's not really his fault as such with that. No. Um, but I do, I, I do agree. I mean, uh, you go back to that, you know, that bit last year where, you know, we couldn't really make the subs, whereas at least now we can. And I think, Danny, I might be wrong in this, but we always felt with Keith Curl that he was really reactionary with his subs, whereas John Brady sometimes, <laughs> maybe more often than not, it, it, maybe does make changes. Might not be necessarily subs, but changes to the the way we're playing on the pitch a little bit more, um, you know, before we go one nil down, for example. Mm. Um, I, I think that is a is another positive. It's a change that definitely does seem to have happened. Yeah, he's definitely doing more of it now as well, isn't he? Like compared mm. to last season, even he's definitely in, helps having a bigger squad, a better squad. Sorry, not Five bigger, but better. All. Five sub rule. Um, I don't know if that helps or not, really, because I think it's more to do with the quality you got on the bench. I think at the end of last okay. season, he just didn't have anything on the bench to bring on. I think he almost Danny admitted Rose. that at times, didn't he? Um, yeah, from Danny Rose. That, that he just didn't have the people to bring on. And I think now we're back, hopefully, to near enough a full strength squad again. We'll hopefully start seeing a little bit of quality off the bench as well. And, and, and it will just grow and grow. And I think we've. He's just. He's he does seem to have learnt from his mistakes of the past as well, and he's yeah. he's learning on the job a little bit. But I now see him as as a proper league manager, where you probably didn't think of that at first when he first came in as a caretaker. You kind of is the image of oh, it's like, I think honestly the first thing I thought was oh, it's the cheap option. Let's get on with it. 
there's no no one better, no one else better out there. Whereas now you think of job comes up in League One in the Championship. Oh Christ! Yeah, it's, uh, being he, it's being linked I mean, to. It's been linked to stuff by and, crappy Twitter. Yeah, yeah, but awful. But you do. <laughs> but you think you get that th- fear in your head, don't you? And that yeah. that's a sign of a good manager that and a good coach, like you said earlier. And we're we're pretty lucky to have him. I think he's and he's still. I feel like he's still a little bit under the radar with a lot of neutrals out there that just think of us as we should be in this position. Whereas like mm. no one's got the right to be in this top three, but I think other clubs look at us and think, oh, we're up there, but they don't really take much notice of who's in charge or what the process has been and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But the fact is he's taken on pretty much an entire new team. He had to build from scratch and he almost got us up last season is pretty much a miracle to be honest considering the job he had to do and to keep that up this season again but we're five points clear of fourth place again I think sometimes we can think as Cobblers fans you know we're there we we should be up there this is par for the course but actually it's a it's a bloody hard job to get into the top three and I think he deserves a lot more credit than he sometimes gets I think that Getting mid-table, this is going to sound very backwards, listeners, so bear with me. Um, Getting mid-table in League One potentially is more straightforward, not more easy, more straightforward than getting up to a decent position in League Two because it is dog-eat-dog in League Two because the difference between falling out of the league into non-league I think has bigger repercussions for smaller clubs than it does coming out of League One into League Two because at least you know you can bounce back. Going into non-league is sometimes uncharted waters and you get swallowed up and next minute you're out of business. And that's the big fear, isn't it? And so the pressure on teams like us to perform at League Two level, there's already expectation there. You've almost got a free hit in League One because you've got no expectation really, particularly in the last 20 years for us. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully uh, that's gone forwards now, not backwards, listeners, because that did sound a bit bizarre to start with, I understand. Uh, last comment from uh, you guys, the listeners. Um, Matt Sammons, I can't speak highly enough of him. He used to coach me when I was younger and has always made time for me since. Uh, saw him when he was coaching at my school a few years ago and he was in a rush. So he messaged me later that night saying sorry he missed me and asked me how I was getting on. He's always seemed genuinely interested in what's going on in my life as well. As for his time at the Cobblers, when he first came in, it was so refreshing to see the passion on the touchline and to see him say exactly what he thought in interviews. I'm still not sure if he should keep his job should we not go up this season, but at the same time, it'd be harsh to get rid of him. Uh, Yeah, uh, Matt in our Slack community has, has been right at the start of the season was quite well, he laid a marker down didn't he Danny basically and he said if Brady doesn't get us up he hasn't done his job he hasn't succeeded and therefore shouldn't have a renewed contract given I disagree him. with that um yeah there were discussions don't worry you weren't <laughs> the only one Jeffy that, that disagreed with it but it's you know everything there that Matt has said I, I think we can all agree with on the way that he genuinely does seem to care or not seem to he genuinely does care he's a people person he I think he probably take I don't know this for fact but I think he probably takes it to heart when you know we don't get the result that he wants to give us the fact that we've not won at home since September I, I, I know it's not been that many games but I reckon that's probably tearing him up inside that we're performing well away from home so the away fans are getting you know good 
you know, excellent performances to rave about, but the home fans aren't getting the same thing. I, I reckon he's probably really, really working his ass off to try and make that mm. better. And how often do you get that as well? Like the, the story about him coaching Matt when he was younger, um, texting him and all that kind of stuff. How often are you going to get that from a manager who can look into a crowd and see people he knows and see people who has seen like grown up and has that connection with? That's that's a rarity in a, in like a lifespan of lifetime of watching football managers. And I just think when it does happen, if it does happen, <laughs> uh, I've always said it's going to be the best feeling because we know how much John puts into it. Mm-hmm. If we do go up this season, next season, if he's done it. I feel like that's going to be such a big celebration. It's going to make it 10 times better because of the man in charge and the man, do, the, the man leading it. And I think the comments about whether he should still be in the job if we don't go up this season, I think that's probably more down to how we, if we don't go up, how we don't go up. Like if we fall completely fall off a cliff and go to mid-table, then we should probably be questioning it. But I think if we don't go up because of things that are slightly a little bit more out of his control, like the stuff that happened last season and we come close and things go against us, then... You, you think what good is it going to do to change the manager Okay, because I, th- I feel like he's done such a good job that he's, he's earned a little bit more time either way okay. also as well we should be in league one and we were cheated out of it so the reality <laughs> is he's got an extra season so. we still could have picked up another point somewhere we lost to no 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 I'm not having none <laughs> of that I'm was not having Barrow? none of that we lost the Barrow on a Tuesday night and we I'm not that's two. That's, that's an certain. Certain we lost two 0 at home, didn't we? Yeah. There, were, there were there were times. <laughs> there, was there, was some, anyway. yeah, there were so many times we could have done. That. Uh, really quickly, anyway. just to round this off, favorite moments of his era so far, Jeffy. What, what's your favorite moment? Oh, she's gone. No, I'm here. <laughs> it's actually listen to you, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, I hate to use it as the cliche, but I'm going to. It's the Orient one because I kind of thought we'd, well, I know we had done it, but I thought we'd done it and everyone thought we'd done it. And it was that moment of just brilliance, really. I just think that games like that are very underrated. And I think because of what happened, we don't look back as fondly, but actually right there and then, I think everyone was just in a bit of dreamland, which was lovely for a few weeks at least <laughs> Danny yeah you can't you can't look any further than that I don't think can you it's that what you're watching that I think I was watching it on iFollow and it was so uncobblers you hadn't seen anything like it since the Wilder days ironically at Orient as well the way we were playing the way was it four goals in the first half the the style that we were playing in it just felt so unlike us and so like what on earth is going on here that you did start to believe and, and that's the main thing you, we can pull out at a performance like that at any point. And we did at Bradford. It was similar to at Bradford. It was almost very, a, very similar. Almost an even better performance in some ways at Bradford because of where Bradford were and and um, the atmosphere and all that kind of thing. We can mm. pull out moments like that. And it's so enjoyable to watch when it does come together like that. Yeah. I think I, I, only because I wasn't there at, at Orient and because um, I want to be a bit different Mine isn't necessarily one particular favourite moment because this happens a lot. But cheat. what I really like yeah, is cheat, at Charles. the end of <laughs> yeah, I don't care. At the end of any um, away game, or well, it can be at home as well. But any away game that we've won, or um, like say Crew this 
earlier this season where we obviously came back to draw two all in the dying moments. Um, it's the way that John comes over to the fans and talks to the fans, you know, fist bumps uh, people as, as he's going down, you know, the, the front of the hoardings, you know, pumps his fists in the air. All, all of that, that connection, that my, my favourite moments are always those. I can't think of one particular um, that that was that was great, but all of those times when that happens, it shows a connection for me. They're my favourite John Brady moments. Although a close second is him getting uh, Steve Evans sent off at Stephen Nigeria. Yes, yeah, that, that, yeah. Was definitely that was very good. Well done, John. And the little that- way that he almost laughed at the, he was kind of hiding yeah. his mouth because I think he was laughing inside. Absolutely, <laughs> like, like we all were. <laughs> Um, We're going to go to the post bag in one second, but um, let me remind you of our Christmas fundraiser. We're raising money for NTFC Community Trust, who do so much in the community, of course. They put on their extra time hubs on a Monday morning. They've also got, um, you know, lots of stuff going on in terms of uh, disability teams, multi-disability teams that they run. Um, Damon. Give him a shout out. He does loads of work. They've recently won the Planet League. They've obviously also won that uh, that other particular massive, massive award, uh, EDFN, I think it was, or EFDN, uh, the European uh, thing, which is going to get us a, a, a community pitch, I think, that's going to go out the back of the North Stand. They do so much good in, in the community uh, of Northampton. It was them that came up with the idea of calling you know, the vulnerable, the most vulnerable fans um, during the pandemic and just making sure that that they felt, you know, listened to and, and weren't being forgotten about. Um, they do so much great. You can help us raise money um, for them by buying one of our amazing, beautiful Luton free kick prints. It's uh, of that goal scored by John Joe Tull, the free kick that everybody raves about all the time. Uh, the other day at the World Cup, Holland did one that people were comparing to this free kick. Weren't as good. It wasn't anywhere near as good. No, no. weren't as um, good. This print has been designed with help from our friends at RLS Print and Design. It costs £10, which we're giving straight to the Community Trust. Loads of people have already bought one. Um, you can go and get one in two places. You can either visit Cafe Track on the Market Square. They've got some there. Take your £10, go and get your print. Or if you can't head into the town centre, then go to our website, cobblestome.com forward slash shop. There are a limited amount available, so make sure to get yours quick and help us raise a load of money for the NTFC Community Trust this December. Okay, postbag time. It's time to read your letters out But things have changed, so listen out If you want to write about Northampton Town You'll need to write this next bit down Just have a rant, or just some fun At podcast at cobblers2me.com No matter if we lose or win Send us your thoughts. Come on, get them in. Yes, postbag time, Danny. Uh, yes. You're going to enjoy this, I think. Am I? Um, we've got an email. Oh, I love an email. Yeah, it came into podcast at cobblerstome.com. That's where to send them. Uh, we love hearing all your thoughts on the podcast about anything cobblers related. Um, Brian Cheney got in touch. Come on, Brian. He says, regarding the Danny Hilton conundrum, 
Obviously, we were talking about this last week. He says, I listened with interest to your discussion in the last podcast. While I missed the Tranmere game, I've seen enough games this season to form my opinions. First day against Colchester, he was, in my opinion, by far the shining light, creating a superb goal for Samuel Tobias Hoskins. Since then, he has been in and out with injury, suspension, and it appears not being in favour with selection. Sitting as a bench warmer doesn't seem to sit well with him, and I and despite a positive interview on the Thursday night BBC radio show, it feels as though he is struggling to make his mark. That this is not just a goals thing, but a little more generally in terms of his influence on games. Having said that, it is so difficult to come on for twenty minutes or so and make a big impact. What I wish to add to the debate is the similarity to a certain John Joe O'Toole when he signed. He was so poor over a period of time that he went onto the transfer list before Wilder seemed to flick the right switch and get the absolute best from him. Perhaps Brady might find the same switch, though I doubt it if he continues on the bench too far down the pecking order. Yes, he had a love affair with Luton that continues and has little affinity with us, but you don't become a bad player overnight. While others up front have done a good job so far this season, I think a run of a few games starting might be worth a gamble. Imagine a situation where we have another regular scorer adding to the goals we are getting from all over the pitch. Thank you very much for the podcast. And uh, may I have your thoughts, please? Yours, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Danny. Yes, Hilton. Hilton. What say you? Yeah, good points. Well made. Um, I think it's slightly to do with the the, um, the system that John mm. Brady operates. Um, he almost wants his striker to be coming and getting the ball and and doing a lot of work off the ball. Potentially, Apare does a lot does that a lot better. Um, probably a lot younger, a lot little bit fitter than him. But because Apare's not exactly set the world alight in front of goal, but he has done a lot of work off the ball that I think Brady wants in that number nine ish position um to bring in Hoskins and Pinnock and um and Bowie and players like that who are scoring more goals than than the actual central man so I don't I think it's more to do with the way he plays I, I do agree that it would be a decent enough gamble to try him for a couple of starts but I don't know if it's just fitness or, or anything like that that's that's stopping him from doing so but it'd be good to get that question answered at some point hmm. I think it's a good point isn't it about maybe if he had a run of starts then just give him a bit of confidence yeah just yeah. yeah, come good that way. Um, I definitely, I do love the correlation, let's say, that he's used with... Correlation Joe. Street. Yes, indeed. Um, I like it. I like the fact that, you know, John Joe came in with a bit of a, um, uh, uh, you know, there was an element of, oh, we've got a good player here. He, he was top scorer for um, that lot the year before. And then... <laughs> came to us and didn't really work out at, at the beginning, did it? And as Brian mentioned, he went on the transfer list. He went on loan to South End for a month or so. Did, yeah. Um didn't really still click for him there. And he came back and and yeah, somehow Chris Wilder just managed to flick a switch, as Brian said, and, and all of a sudden he became an absolute legend. I think um, I think John Joe's example. I think the points are really valid, but I think John Joe's example is slightly different because of the the time in his career in which it is. I think Hilton's okay. is slightly more dubious because he is at the end of his career. So I think that bigger changes and almost career changing changes are very unlikely at this point. 
Yeah, I, I can see what you mean. I think, yeah, there, there's potential that because he's in the, shall we say, the twilight Absolutely. Uh, of his career, that essentially, yeah, maybe one last paycheck could be thrown at him. Yeah. Uh, I think John Joe's John Joe's effectively bought him bought him a, at least two or three seasons in a higher league than what he would have been playing in had he not have sorted himself out, right? Yeah, probably, I would say. Yeah. He's he's got a good career out of it as well. He's still playing yeah. at a decent level now, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean the one thing that I I think with with Hilton is that he was, you know, we we built him up, didn't we? In our minds, I think, as fans, oh, look at this. There's a guy with a great goal-scoring pedigree. But actually, for the last couple of seasons playing for Luton, he was he was more of a bit-part player for them. And he wasn't scoring. It wasn't like he was getting 15 goals in the championship, I don't think. You know, it had been a long... Was, the fact he was playing in the championship was probably enough, wasn't it? <laughs> to hype yeah, it. I, I, yeah, but I mean, you just sort of go... Did we build him up to be much bigger than he was? And not just us. I mean, you know, the, our club, Nathan Jones, you know, did it as well, saying he was going to be the top goal scorer of League Two and the best signing of the League Two and all this, that and the other. So I think there's a there's maybe a, a, an expectation um, issue there we we had. But, he but might just go. be knackered, genuinely. He might just have got to a point in his career where, don't forget as well, we, my point from earlier is very valid in terms of it's a very different world in league two it's very physical and games are much tougher in terms of the fact that you really have to fight there's not a lot of on the ball play whereas Mm. when you go to the championship you're playing with foot on the ball like you should for football right but league two we don't see that you just effectively just a scrap for it's a scrap for 70 minutes and a bit of football in between (laughs) and it genuinely is we laugh but it is and that physicality could absolutely slaughter a bloke in his mid 30s well early 30s to mid 30s yeah lovely okay thank you brian Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Mid thirties, mid thirties. Yeah, I'm still in my mid thirties at thirty eight. Thank you, Brian. Uh, great email. Um, love that. If you've got anything that you want to talk to us about, then podcast at cobblerstome.com. Right before we go, we have got the result of Jeffy's Christmas topper poll. <laughs> oh yes, uh, you were asked to vote on Twitter. Uh, that's twitter.com forward slash cobblers to me on who you would like to see sitting atop of Jeffy's Christmas tree <laughs> this year. I'm a poet. There you go. Um, your options were Sam Hoskins, Sean McWilliams, Mitch Pinnock, and Lee Burge. Um, we know who, well, we know, me and Danny know who um, Jeffy wanted to win, uh, but has that materialized? Well, here you go. Um, in last place. With a miserable two percent of the votes, it's Mitch Pinnock. Oh, no, oh poor Mitch! No one Mitch. wanted Mitch on your tree, it seems. Um, in third place, with ten percent of the votes, it was Sean McWilliams. Not, not bad. Not, not, not bad, bad. Not great. I would. I would argue. Um, and here's the surprising bit, because I actually thought this was going to be a lot closer. Lee Burge comes in second place with thirty-six percent, but. Storming it with a non not controversial fifty two percent at all. <laughs> it's Sam Hoskins. It was close for a while. It was level between Virgin Hoskins. I was going to have a joint tree tropper. Tropper. Tree tropper. Joint tree tropper. 
Topper. Topper. Love that. Um, so, Jeffy, are you going to do a video for us of you placing yeah, Sam Eve, on top the, of the tree? The on Christmas official Eve. ceremony. Well, oh. can I tell you why it was Christmas Eve? Very quickly. Very because quickly. Because the, the original tree topper was when John Joe O'Toole arrived mm. and effectively was like the Messiah saving our season around Christmas time. So he <laughs> went on the tree as a joke on Christmas Eve to see how long oh, he could yeah. stay up there before Dawn realised he was up there. This was when I was living <laughs> at my parents' house. And he was up for two weeks. Oh, fab. And it became, it, then it became a routine. So there's been many a toppers since then. But that's Love why it. it's Christmas Eve, because it's like the Messiah has arrived. Lovely stuff. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. Danny and I will be back on Thursday with the preview show as we're looking ahead to hopefully a game <laughs> against Carlisle United. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Way! There's the cup. There's the pictures you'll see on tomorrow's back pages. The coppers are going through into Division 1. Bring them on because we deserve it. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.